Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Government Transformation Show, the podcast for public sector change makers. My guests today are Lloyd Rushton Jones from Donodo and Blake Griffin from Digital Modus. We're going to be exploring data, big topic, but specifically the data journey and how interoperability and integration are growing within government. What do organizations need to do? How do they need to rethink their approach? What technology do they need to use? What cultural changes do they need to make in mindsets to make the most of the integration piece? It's a big topic with lots of aspects and angles and Lloyd and Blake shared multiple examples of how it can be made to work more effectively during the conversation. Loads to get into, so let's jump into that conversation right now. So Blake and Lloyd, welcome to the Government Transformation Show. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Really looking forward to this exploration of data in the public sector. Um, good to have you with us, but let's let's start at the beginning. Perhaps we could start with some intros, um, who you are, what your kind of role is, how you're working with the public sector, just to set the scene a bit. So Blake, welcome. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and, and how you're helping public sector at the moment. Um, hi, it's uh, great to be here. And, uh, you know, first of all, I'd like to thank the Gunnick Show for giving us this opportunity um, to share our thoughts around how, um, you know, disruptive data technologies can solve a, a number of the challenges we often see in government, you know, around, especially around data management, data integration and data interoperability. Um, I'm Blake. Um, I'm from Digital Modus and I lead our strategy and delivery practice. Uh, we work a lot with government. Um, and I've been working closely on a number of innovative and disruptive government projects over the last 10 years. Um, everything from London 2012, DVLA, GDS, student loans, um, Department of Transport, and a number of others. Um, and most recently, I helped, you know, establish Digital Modus um, and partnered with Denodo, um, one of our key partners and innovators in the data space um, to share these new ways of working across government. You, you mean uh, enc encourage some of the dangerous minds in the data industry, I think. Uh, so uh, yeah, hi, I'm Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Rustin-Jones. I've uh, worked a similar time to Blake in the, in the public sector uh, and uh, some, with, with some fairly large software vendors. Uh, and more recently, uh, I, I joined Denodo. It's a 20-odd year startup uh, with some really wicked data management, which uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll touch on. Um, and you know, there's some great examples already at play in, in some, you know, some fast-thinking departments and agencies. Good. Looking forward to jumping into that. Um, those wicked problems that we're all keeping us up at night. Let's let's start to unpack some of those. All for that. Um, and you mentioned uh, Blake that the, the old the the thorny issue of interoperability and integration, or you know, a golden opportunity depending on uh, on your mood at the time. Um, so you're going to be hosting the discussion table at the upcoming Government Data Summit around interoperability and integration. So, I guess first question is. Why that topic? Why does that matter to Digital Modus and Denodo? You know, what are you doing in that space that you feel like you can add value and help organizations to, to crack that nut? Yeah, no, um, you know, both us and Denodo um, are very, very interested in the journey of data disruption in UK government. Um, you know, integration and interoperability are two of the key issues that we see, you know, getting access to the data um, being able to consume it and to be able to use it. Um, and, you know, if you can't use the data that you have, 
then there's not what you know there's not really much point of having it there um and so you know and i think lloyd from a, a donato perspective you know i think you guys feel pretty much so the same don't you yeah and you know i think that that, that that's the big reason why i joined donato is that um it's really amazing to see some some of the customers how quickly they get the value from from their data. So you know we've got worldwide customers, uh, but even in in UK government, if I, you know if I take the inland revenue as an example, they they were able to and we'll we'll you know delve into this a bit more, but they were able to get value from their data in under three months. I mean that's uh, extraordinary. Uh, you know when you know some of these data transformation projects sort of take five, six years. Um, so. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. I mean, the idea of anything happening in three months in government's pretty uh, pretty impressive. So the fact that you can do something with so a, le a level of, sort of technical complexity is, is powerful stuff. So let's, let's kind of run the rule a bit over kind of current capability, execution around this interoperability piece, because, you know, there are there is massive amounts of data in government and there's this historic perception of silos and agencies not communicating and on-prem pots of data that can't possibly integrate externally and all that kind of stuff but i'm wondering where we're at now actually have we moved on have we made a lot of progress in that spirit so what are your kind of takes on that interoperability integration piece right now are we making progress yeah and and I think we've made a lot of progress, um, but I think, you know, going going back to a bit of a, you know, some history there from from when I suppose myself and Lloyd first started, um, you know, and understanding how data management can be disrupted and is being disrupted in the industry now, um, you know, I can draw parallels, I suppose, and, and I think Lloyd as well, since we're both of a certain age, um, you know, from when we were working in government and we were also, you know, very keen listeners of music and you know collecting collecting music during the age of the compact disc or cd which was a, a very special time after records um, yeah. we're not going to go into records because they're a, they're a bit of a different thing but um you know i think lloyd you even had some uh, yeah, mini discs yeah i had a mini disc player and i used to uh, yeah and, and yeah anyway. every now and again you bet you bet on the wrong technology <laughs> don't you, <laughs> yeah, you do. how's your blu-ray collection as well i guess <laughs> Picking the winners every time. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, is that you know this was all before the age of cloud-based music subscription services like Spotify, Apple Music, and and Deezer and that. And you know one of the things that that we often talk about is how much a lot of the digital world has changed, you know, and music especially, and how accessible music is now, and how much the way we personally manage and consume our music has changed. Um, but our methods of managing our data in our organizations has only really changed incrementally and in many ways hasn't even hasn't changed or been radically disrupted over the last 25 years. Yeah, and, and you know, I think and, and what we what we were seeing is that departments were were doing what we were doing back then. You know, we're just moving the data from one place to another, from one data warehouse to another another type of uh, warehouse or swamp. So we're just kind of moving, continually moving this data, um, you know, which which is a, a, you know, a 90s type thing, isn't it, Blake? Yeah. And, and you know, if, if you look at it sort of back then as well, you know, CDs were your primary music delivery technology, you know, just like sort of the data warehousing and data lakes and that is now. 
Um, and your songs and your CDs that you collected were like data in your data warehouses. You know, they were physical things. Um, you had to buy a CD, uh, take it home, and, and you couldn't listen to a song until you bought it. And in many ways, you had to buy a whole album worth of songs, even if you didn't listen to half of them. Um, and, you know, it's a bit like having to do a, an extract trans transform and then load it from one of your systems into a data warehouse or data lake. Yeah, nice um, ETL. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and you know, it's that physical thing where you have to extract it and buy it from the shop, you have to take it home, and then you have to put it in, you know, put it inside your collection and actually add it to your CD player. Um, you couldn't just consume it. You know, and, and I think as well, um, if you want, you know, to draw that analogy further, you know, we had scalability issues, you know, you started off having a single rack of CDs, you know, you only had 20, 25 CDs. You could find the CD that you wanted. They were in their own cases and it was all organized and it was easy, you know? And is, and is that, I, I guess that's just like a, a data warehouse or, or a data lake. Yeah, right? a, a really small one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this makes, this presumably makes uh, chief data officers DJs, right? Am <laughs> I taking this analogy to the right place? They're <laughs> yeah, deciding what to play, how, what goes yeah. together, how you how you join up, how you mix it. Uh, I I think I'll break that metaphor if I take it any further. So I'll I'll let <laughs> I'll let you carry on. So where do we yeah, well, go ahead? Go ahead, Blake. Yeah, no. So you know, like data warehouses. You know, the data warehouse sort of concept was sort of formed during the 1990s. Um, you know, to centralize data, to copy data into it. So people could to use it and consume it without having to um, impact the operational systems. And, and very much, you know, that whole extract, transform and load, whether it's a, you know, a data lake or a data warehouse or, or some other form of new data terminology that they go and create these days, you know, it it's, it's, hasn't really changed a lot since the 1990s. Yeah, yeah, the ETL, you know, like buying a CD or... or taking taking it home and burning the cd as the extract transform load uh, yeah yeah and and I, I think as well as that um you know these days just like the amount of music has increased um we've increased significantly the amount of data that is is needed within an organization and the different types of formats that 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 we, you know, data that we have and the requirement to visualize and consume that data. Yeah. You know, the changes in the last 25, 20 years or even 10 years since cloud has come in there to enable um, a lot more data to be collected ha has been very, very significant. Um, and, you know, then in a similar way to creating those shelves of data we talked about, we then started, you know, forming these data lakes um, which were, you know, generally an unorganized or an unstructured set of uh, data of various different formats. And, you know, with the data lakes, and there was, um, you know, they were there to take care of big data. Um, and, you know, as I said, they were unstructured, which is much like, you know, often my CD and DVD collection was like. And, and, and I think, you know, coming back to a couple of, of government examples and, and how, I think working with the logical platform like Denodo um, has helped as well, is that um, for one of our government clients, we had to go and uh, integrate um, with some open government data sources. And we were able to bring that into the data warehouse in our data model in under half an hour, 
um, for two or three data sources, which if you are having a traditional data warehousing model to go and extract that data, load it up um, and organize how that data went into that data warehouse or data lake, you know, you'd be talking um, days and, and weeks and for some organizations, you know, depending on their governance, um, months to be able to do that. Whereas we were able to bring that in because we weren't, we weren't extracting and, and loading up the data. We were connecting to the data at source um, within, you know, hours um, and less than an hour to go and do that. So it really shows the difference in the way that you can manage your data. So that's a, a really good take on, I suppose, the art of the possible, what's changing, how to sort of start to rethink the fundamentals around how you approach data, the technology that then follows through that. So I suppose interested in understanding a bit more about what's what good looks like now. Can you give us some examples of where you're seeing some of this new approach, both in terms of mindset, technology, that, that consumerization of thinking? playing out in government I'd, I'd love to hear some examples where you think it's it's actually getting traction and working well yeah so we, we've, we've we've got a we've got a few um and you know blake's touched on ONS. maybe you'll sort of touch on a bit more but i and and i mentioned hmrc at the beginning so hmrc uh, they you know about four years ago they set out on, on this journey, and, and as I said, in 2020, they had a project that was was a failing uh, project, um, whether whether they had recognised that or not. But you know, over five years, they were trying to basically they had a project 13 into one, uh, 13 data warehouses in, into one, um, and uh, for five years it failed to deliver. I mean, ultimately, if you're moving data one of the key questions you've got to ask yourself is when will I have all the data in one place? Um, and if you're realistic, you'll realize you'll never have all the data in one place. Um, and so what, what they found is that they needed, in a sense, a librarian to the data. Um, and, and that's what they did. So they went to the market, they, they realized the concept of data virtualization assisted this kind of librarian view of the data uh, and they and they deployed within you know the the engineering team they deployed uh Denodo to to manage that and they deployed it within within the three months uh, and uh you know basically then you're then trying to drive more value from that platform so you know things like eu exit um, you know, anything else that the, the, the inland revenue is trying to do around big data and analytics, uh, for example, maybe SAP workloads and, and so, so forth. So you can then, you know, kind of organically grow it once you've got that concept. Um, and then more, re more recently, uh, DWP, again, you know, the, the kind of formation of these principles takes a little while, but, but they, they kind of uh, latched on from a Gartner conference back in 2019 to the whole data mesh philosophy. Um, and so then more recently, they focused on the restart scheme, which is about trying to get the six or so million people that are long term um, out of work due to COVID. Um, and so then it's trying to draw that data that, that for, for those out of work people 
with charities, with other organisations that help them get back into work. Um, you know, and I think as, as Blake sort of mentioned, I don't know if you want to mention anything else around ONS, but, you know, Blake at uh, Digital Modus worked really well with us uh, on, on the ONS um, uh, opportunity there. Yeah, um, and ONS was, was great. You know, um, what we were able to, to do there is link data logically across the departments, um, you know, to get insight for the Prime Minister or the Prime Minister's office for that matter, um, which were otherwise unknown. But, you know, there was more than that to this piece of work. Um, you know, we work very closely with the ONS around the integrated data service platform, um, which feeds data from, from various departments, um, you know, in order to try and find, um, well, not just answers, but insight into key questions around health, the wealth and the security of, of people living in the UK, um, including financial stability. And this included, you know, departmental data, um, open UK gov data, um, amongst other things there. And, and it was really essential to have accurate data, um, which was very accessible because it wasn't just accessible to the people inside of ONS, but it was accessible to people outside of ONS who had to go and discover that data. And, and you know, it really had to be easy to consume. Um, and that, so they can make sort of impactful decisions, you know, based on their near and real time evidence that they could get out of the data. Um, and I think one of the things that we've all learned from our COVID experience um, is that old data doesn't really help. Um, you know, a lot of data's in there far too long. You know, the latency around that data is, you know, far too long. And then the environment and, and the world has changed in that time. Um, you know, there was no point really in getting COVID stats from a week ago. You know, everybody wanted to know how it was going today because it changed so quickly. Yeah, and, and NHS Scotland um, is probably one of our longest term public sector uh, ex examples. They, they started with an oncology uh, kind of diagnosis to outcome for the patient, um, you know, a, a holistic view of the patient, which in Scotland with uh, devolved government was far easier to kind of pull some of that data in. It was very outcome focused. Um, and I think that the beauty of the, the way that they had orchestrated the data meant that they could quickly adapt it to COVID initiatives um, and actually look at not just the kind of test and protect type of schemes, but also around the oxygen demand. Uh, you know, where, where were patients, what areas, how quickly could you get oxygen to them? That's really important. But, but some of the also the social care programs. So they were able to, you know, government is particularly at the moment is, is very keen to make sure that they prioritize investment for the right uh, outcome. But are they able to me measure that? Can they say, yes, we, we invested in there and actually, uh, you know, we know that investment paid off. With, with it, NHS Scotland, they were actually advising the first minister um, and actually highlighting that this investment wasn't a good one uh, and actually this one was and therefore you can, you know, so that's, you know, really from a government point of view, that's a real key win, you know, where to invest your money based on, you know, access to data. Yeah. And so I suppose the, the logic is there, the technology can support it, but 
as as so often it's a case of getting started as as you've said it is a kind of disruptive journey of sorts you know it, it involves changing the status quo changing mindset maybe changing technology and so on so where would you suggest organizations kind of start this journey um so that a they get underway but then they actually start to make real traction and start to deliver results and deliver that value yeah and and i think one is starting to think about managing that data logically um you know not having not thinking about how, where do i move my data from and to you know how can i make it easier where there's more complexity and, and an increasingly large volumes of data and then how can i how can a logical approach to this make my management simpler? You know, what, what we've seen in the examples is that um, if you use a logical approach and logical software um, to do that, um, your data, you know, your source data stays where it should be, is at the source. And so that takes a significant amount of effort and cost out of um, delivering your, your data warehouse or your data lake or your data insights. Um, and also to then start thinking about how do I create logical views, um, you know, including things like how do I protect my data um, from a security perspective, you know, so people can't see the data that I don't want them to see. How do I do data masking? How do I limit in those views um, that the audience for each of those views only sees what they want? And then how can you know can i then share and use those views and that real-time access and to both those views and the data to produce those iterative and agile data analysis um, and you know support things like the data science processes um, because that that mindset of change of being real-time and wanting things now um, is really important rather yeah. than always yeah. thinking that I, I'm always going to get it in three months' time or I can only get this in six months' time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a, uh, a reason uh, why, why people, people change. You know, so if we, if we look at why Spotify and all the rest is working is because there's a real need for, for access to music. So in government... And, you know, we've seen great examples where there has been change HMRC, where there's change and, and, it, and it happens within three months. Equally, there's a, there's a number of departments out there that are, that are continually moving that data. Um, and, you know, there's no problem with moving the data. Um, but actually, why wouldn't you create this abstraction layer between the two? So you can carry on moving your data uh, and, you know, like we said about the music, I don't care where the music comes from as long as I get the music. So, uh, you know, and this is the real benefit of data virtualization is you can, the business can get the data today and IT can go at their speed. They can carry on moving the data. They can look at new technologies, new um, efficiencies around cloud or, or whatever else. But the important thing is today, if the business asks the question, they get access to the data. Yeah. So uh, I guess as we as we start to draw to a close, I, I'm going to put you on the spot for 
some some top tips because I think these are these are big chunky issues potentially, um, and you know it pulls in multiple aspects of an organisation as we've said technology culture mindset so on. So how would you what what are the areas you see where actually this this is something that works? We've tried this with multiple organisations. This will really get you going on this journey. Yeah, and and you know I think the big thing is to recognise where that change is needed within that data of your organization. You know, with, with, and, you know, just like in with, where Spotify understood that, that, that change. And, and one of the, you know, the, the big things for us is that, you know, we can go and um, very, very quickly pilot, um, you know, an approach. Um, we deliver Denodo on top of the cloud, all three cloud, all three main clouds. Um, Azure, AWS, and uh, GCP. Um, and we've also automated that whole environment approach, um, which also follows all of the security requirements um, that, that you would have to go and get approved through all of the different service assessments. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, as, as Lloyd will, will explain now, it's, it's really getting going and, and then picking those three or four introductory data sources that you would like to go and access logically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll more than happily provide our, um, our, our software. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're on G Cloud, um, but uh, yeah, rec recognizing uh, where that change is needed, the security layers are there. Um, we, we, you know, we want to be tested in, in, in the organizations. Um, but I think also the performance is, is uh, so probably the, the second one is around performance, isn't it, Blake? Yeah, and, and I think performance is two things. I think one is where we've previously seen with you know, a lot of organisations, it's gonna, it takes you months and months and months to go and set up a data warehouse. Um, you know, we can set up Denodo environments in, in days, in, in weeks. Um, usually it's internal governance that's, that's the main issue um, for setting these things, you know, a Denodo environment up in the cloud. And then, you know, the other aspect of performance is, uh, well, this, the two other aspects to performance is the ease of integrating um, into your data sources. You know, there's a lot of out of the box connectors that are available there. So it's, it's very quick to go and integrate. And, and then, you know, thirdly, uh, the, there's the performance, you can pull back very, very large data sets um, through a virtual platform and, and, you know, and get access to it in real time. But the, uh, but of course the, the top tip has to be <laughs> come, come and talk to us, doesn't it? <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's how we, but we're on G cloud. We're, we're on G cloud 12, G cloud 13, you know, people like ONS, uh, very sort of, uh, agile, fast approach to, to using Denodo uh, and, you know, just a, a new, new way of looking at data. Um, but, but equally other, others are, you know, on that kind of vanguard. Well, in the spirit of um, come talk to us, nice segue to, to flag obviously that the uh, Government Data Summit is you know, just, just days away really now. So um, 
anybody interested in this piece, I think they're going to have a pretty in-depth conversation with you guys uh, on the day. Really looking forward to hosting the civil servants who are data focused, looking to build those bridges, both cultural and technical between their departments. You know, if we can unlock the integration piece and start to share data and share insights, incredibly powerful opportunities to deliver, not even improve services, conceived entirely new ways of delivering services for, for public sector. So incredibly, incredibly powerful and important areas. So really grateful to you both for sharing your insights around this and, and obviously looking forward to hosting you uh, on the 20th of October at the Government Data Summit. Um, really good conversation. It's reminding me uh, I need to go and check out my Spotify settings uh, amongst others. <laughs> um, but yeah, just want to say thank you both, uh, Blake and Lloyd, for, for joining us, being so open, sharing insights and sharing value. Uh, and look forward to seeing you soon. No, thank right. you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tim. Yes. So thanks again to Lloyd and Blake for joining me for that conversation. Love the Spotify Apple Music analogy. It really helps to open up the topic of integration and data sharing for everybody. As we said, they're going to be hosting the discussion table at the Government Data Summit on the 20th of October, themed around interoperability and integration. Sure to be a popular topic, so if you're not already joining us, you can join by following the link in the show notes attached to this episode and join 150 DDAP peers and technology experts on the day at Church House in Westminster. That's about it for this episode, but we'll be back soon with another conversation with a public sector changemaker. But until then, goodbye.